every major political party in Canada is the exact same. Vaccine mandates are the latest policy that they all agree on. I'm Candace Malcolm, and this is The Candace Malcolm Show. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning into the program. Thank you for your support of The Candace Malcolm Show. I hope everyone out there had a wonderful weekend. Hope you got to spend some time with your families out there. Today, I want to talk about the uninspiring sameness of Canada's political parties, the uninspiring sameness. I had a column over in the Toronto Sun over the weekend with the same title, put it up on True North, and I want to go through my argument on that. But first, if you enjoy The Candace Malcolm Show, if you like what we do here at True North, please head on over to TNC dot news slash donate consider making a small modest donation to help keep our programming going we don't take any money from the government we are one of the rare journalistic outlets one of the rare media companies in canada that does not take money from the trudeau government there are only a small handful of us out there and if you like the idea of independent journalism if you think that it is important to have a separation between politics and the politicians trying to earn your vote and the media and the journalists who are covering those politicians if you think it's a conflict of interest that the, the former pays the latter, uh, you, you have to support independent journalism like the journalists here at True North. So please consider making a donation. If you're watching this video on YouTube right now, don't forget to like this video, leave us a comment, let us know what you think about the show. Don't forget to subscribe to True North and hit that little red notification bell so that you never miss a show. If you're watching on Facebook, do the same thing. Please like this video, leave us a comment, let us know what you think of the show. And don't forget to like our True North page as well. And finally, if you're listening to this show in podcast form and you like The Candace Malcolm Show, you enjoy the program, please head on over and leave us a five-star review either on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe to The Candace Malcolm Show so that you never miss an episode. Okay, so back to our topic today. The political parties are all the same. There's sometimes little differences here and there, and those differences we see are quickly dissolving. The parties are converging. They basically have the same opinion on every single important issue. So this was something that really stood out to me during the federal election. I thought that the most striking feature of the recent federal election was just the pure amount of overlap between the political parties when it came to all of the details in their platforms, but also their overall governing philosophies. We're at the point where we have the liberals, the conservatives, the new Democrats who aren't that new anymore. They're kind of just like U.S. Democrats who are very similar to the liberals here in Canada. Um, the Bloc Quebecois who at least have their own sort of mandate, but when it comes to policies, they agree with everyone else and the Greens. They all have the same opinion on virtually every political issue that matters in Canada. We're at a point where every party thinks that there is a climate catastrophe, that there is a climate crisis, that they're so steeped in climate alarmism. The whole idea of a Green Party seems redundant. The, the Liberal Party is the Green Party. The NDP Party is the Green Party. And at this point, the Conservative Party is the Green Party and the Bloc Party is the Green Party. So we saw a huge dip in support for the Green Party, partially because their party is in such turmoil, their leader was so uninspiring and new to politics, but also just because they're all Green Parties now, so we don't really need this single-issue niche party anymore. The Green Party has succeeded in many ways. Their job is done. Everybody has bought in to this um, alarmist, over-the-top, the world is ending, the sky is falling, chicken little 
worldview when it comes to climate that we don't even need the Green Party anymore because because they're all Green Party. So in some ways that is a win uh, for Elizabeth May and the people who really built up that Green Party. And when you take a step back and you look at the broader policies in this country on healthcare, on fiscal federalism, on the idea of official bilingualism, on the, the concept, the basic governing concept of, of having high taxes, big budgets, budget deficits, a large civil service, the size of the public service, they all agree on it. They also all agree on the ideas behind government childcare, affordable housing, reconciliation, truth and reconciliation with First Nations Canadians, again, the environment, when it comes to immigration, when it comes to foreign policy, gun control, abortion, speech censorship, COVID-19 restrictions, COVID-19 lockdowns, COVID-19 vaccines, and some variation of the idea of universal basic income, which we saw throughout the pandemic. When it comes to all of these policies and more, they all agree. Every single party agrees. They all have the same ideas. So sure, each party has a slightly different way of framing the issues. They, they tinker with the various rates and rebates. They use slightly different language here and there. But overall, it would be nearly impossible for the average Canadian voter to name the party behind the various big ticket items that we saw in the platforms in the last elections. Let's just go through this. We'll do a little pop quiz here on the Candace Malcolm Show, and you can guess which party was behind various policies that were sort of the big ticket policies for each party. So the first one up, which party proposed doubling the Canada workers benefit to give low wage workers a rebate on their federal income tax? Which, which party believes that, that um, Canadians earning in the lowest income brackets shouldn't pay federal taxes on that, shouldn't pay income taxes and should get a rebate on tax time? Who knows? I, I mean, it could be a policy for, from any of the parties. That one specifically came from the Conservatives though. So, uh, so, so keep track if, if you got that one right. Uh, question number two, which party proposed a tax-free savings account for first-time homeowners under the age of 40? So first-time homeowners under the age of 40, you want to save up for down payment. This party proposed creating a special new tax-free savings account so you could put money in there tax-free. Which party was it? believe it or not, was the Liberals. I know it sounds a bit like a conservative policy. That's the kind of policy that Stephen Harper used to come up with. Remember, he was the one that came up with a tax-free savings account. Well, the Liberals sort of took a page from the conservative book in that regard and created this nifty little tax loophole for young first-time home buyers. Again, that could have been a policy from the conservatives, could have been a policy from any, any of the parties, frankly. Finally, question number three, which of the parties proposed a two-year ban on foreign home ownership, foreign ownership of homes in Canada? Okay, to be fair, that's a bit of a trick question because they basically all agree on that one. Yes, that's right. The Liberals, Conservatives, and the NDP all had some variation of a ban on home ownership for foreign owners. So trick question, again, they all agree on virtually everything. So let me know what uh, your score was out of three there. But I, I imagine that you know, the people who are watching this show, first of all, are pretty tuned in. So you're, you're the political junkies out there. You, you might score better. My, my guess is the average Canadian voter uh, probably got a zero out of three, maybe one out of three on that little quiz I came up with. And another example right here, one of the biggest ticket items from the Conservative campaign during the election was this idea that mothers who had just given birth, just had babies and were um, off work on maternity leave, which new mothers collect EI in Canada. So, so this idea that, that women who begin working part-time would still be able to collect the EI maternity leave while working part-time. And so this was sort of billed as this really uh, great pro-family policy by the Conservatives and a lot of people on social media were saying that it was a great idea. But here's the kicker. Uh, the Liberal government apparently 
already allows this. And so we, we, we saw a expert in um, employment law come out on social media and really demonstrate the point um, that this great new conservative policy idea uh, was actually already a policy in Canada under the Liberal government. So it is this uninspiring sameness of the major parties that led us to this status quo election outcome. The outcome of the election was remarkably similar to the result in 2019. So here we had an election two years later. If you follow the campaign closely, like we did here at the Candace Malcolm Show, you know that there was a lot of twists and turns. The Trudeau campaign made so many unforced errors on this campaign. Trudeau started uh, very high in the polls. The whole idea of launching this election and triggering it was that Trudeau wanted a majority government. He thought that his handling of the pandemic was going to easily deliver him that. Um, what we saw was that the Canadians, uh, according to polls, if you believe the polls, but what we saw from the polls was that Trudeau was really popular at the beginning. And then as the campaign went on, he, his, his, his support plummeted and it looked like Aaron O'Toole was going to win the election. And then Aaron O'Toole kind of faltered in the final two weeks. I posit that is because he just wouldn't hold his ground. He didn't hold his ground. He flip-flopped on every issue and Canadians saw that as weakness. But at the end of the day, the outcome of the 2021 election was remarkably similar to the 2019 election. And, and that clearly was because Canadians are just indifferent to the various pitches. And thus, at the end of the day, they just retreated to their old habits. They cast their ballot in the exact same way as they did in the previous election. They're, they're, they're tuned out, they're uninspired, and this is because everything is the same. The political parties have the same views. Now, let me just make one small note here because I know a lot of people in the comments sections are probably making this point already. There is, of course, one exception, one major exception to this rule where every single party has the same view. And that, of course, came by way of Maxime Bernier and the People's Party of Canada, they, to give them credit, ran on a very different set of ideas. So here we had this political system with five mainstream parties, the five parties that are always there, that always get invited to the debates, that are always sort of featured on the legacy media, the Liberals, the Conservatives, the Democrats, the Bloc and the Greens. Um, and then now we have this new party, the People's Party, who comes from more of the political right, although they, they do attract uh, voters from across the spectrum, the sort of protest voters. They created a very different set of issues that they campaigned on. Bernier's ideas were outside the box. And because of this, the media, who also suffer from the exact same toxic groupthink and rigid, boring sameness as the political parties, well, they didn't know what to make of Maxime Bernier. They didn't know what to make of his large followers. And so they demonized Bernier, they slandered Bernier, they called him and his supporters every name in the book. Regardless of all that, uh, because Bernier and the People's Party were different, they managed to nearly triple their vote count in this election. So, so Bernier and the People's Party did get rewarded in terms of the number of vote casts, but because of our first past post system, uh, they didn't make any real gains in terms of winning any seats. So, so I will note that that was the one exception. Thank goodness for Maxime Bernier saying something different. At least it makes it a little more interesting for us tuning in and watching. But you know, this is this is sort of the sad point. This is a point of my show today. The point of my article over in the Toronto Sun is that it was the Conservative Party, the Conservative Party of Canada, that once offered the occasional spark of originality. They were the ones who would occasionally push back against the painful dullness of Canada's political party system. They sometimes resisted the media-induced conformity, and they would say no to the left's latest insistence that we all have the exact same opinion on every single issue. And that, that is the crux of this whole thing. The left wants 
absolute ideological conformity. They want everyone to agree on every single thing. And the conservatives used to say, no, we, we're okay with having a different view. We don't agree with you on this. Uh, but it seems like these conservatives today, the Conservative Party of Canada today, uh, doesn't do that anymore. They, they no longer resist the left's um, conformity push, and now they're just more than happy to conform with the left's ideology on almost everything. So the conservatives used to push back, even though it was ever so slightly. Oftentimes they would just go along, but sometimes, sometimes we would see them push back. Um, they'd say no to the latest leftist fad, uh, whether that be the fanatical climate alarmism, whether it be the uh, open borders immigration ideas, or recently the idea that uh, Canada has committed the worst forms of crimes against humanity, including genocide. Conservatives would stand up and say, let's, let's bring some common sense to this scenario, and no, we don't agree with these statements, but it appears that those days are behind us. Under Aaron O'Toole, the party seems committed to whitewashing itself and becoming a true big L liberal party. Big L Liberal Party. And last week was the latest example of this. So I'm told that there was a very heated meeting, caucus meeting, on the topic of vaccine mandates. Uh, the caucus meetings are when all of the elected conservative MPs get together, they have a meeting. And I'm told that the meeting basically consisted of Aaron O'Toole and some of his sort of close allies in the party presenting on this idea that the conservatives should just go along and get along on vaccine mandates. They should uh, force their MPs to get double vaccinated and they should just kind of align with what the liberals believe on that. I'm told there was a lot of pushback that the uh, MPs in caucus vehemently opposed this idea and they let it be known to Aaron O'Toole that he was not going to uh, be allowed to have this vaccine mandate for caucus. And so as a result of that, we had Blake Richards, who is the Conservative Party whip, uh, come out following the meeting and basically just state that, say that the Conservative Party is not in favor of this idea of forced vaccinations for all MPs. Uh, obviously, there's broader repercussions for this. It's not just about MPs, but once they allow it in Parliament, once they force all the MPs to get vaccinated, it's only a matter of time before every aspect of our society uh, will have this kind of double vax rule. So the Conservatives were the only holdout, even though it, it, it sort of is a distinction without a difference. But uh, here is Blake Richards on CTV explaining the Conservative position. And you can see, I'll play a bit longer of the clip, but you can see how the host is, is, is sort of outraged about this idea that the Conservatives are not forcing their MPs to get vaccinated and they refuse to reveal the vaccine status of members of Parliament in the Conservative caucus. So here's that clip. Well, we've said all along that we believe workplace safety, including in Parliament, can be can be assured by either vaccination or producing a, a negative rapid test. So we think that all members of Parliament can safely uh, perform their duties in the House of Commons and in, and in our committee rooms uh, with either a vaccination or a rapid test. I think it's critically important that all members of Parliament are able to participate in 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 person in in those uh, sessions and bring forward the really important issues that we need to be dealing with on behalf of our constituents. But, but, but okay, yeah. every single person that works in the House of Commons, all the staff, they have to be double vaccinated. To get on a plane, you have to be double vaccinated. To get on a bus, to train, you gotta be double vaccinated. Can you, can you tell us how many of the Conservative MPs exactly are double vaccinated and how many this is gonna be a problem for? Well, I think it's really up to each individual Canadian, including members of Parliament, to decide for themselves whether they want to disclose their personal health information. Uh, but, you know, there are other legislatures, for example, in, in Canada. Ontario is doing this, Saskatchewan is doing this, there may be others as well, where 
you know, in order to participate in the, in the chamber, in the legislative chamber, you know, either showing a vaccination status or uh, a negative rapid test. So we believe that it's, it's worked uh, in other jurisdictions. Why can't uh, it be done for our parliament? I mean, this what we're talking about here is the, it, it's the House of Commons. It's the very seat of democracy. People, uh, thousands of Canadians have elected each of these members of parliament to serve them, to represent them in the House of Commons. And uh, we, need, we believe that it needs to be uh, something that all members can do uh, safely in, in, uh, in person in the House of Commons and that through rapid testing or vaccination. Well, you could do it. Now, it's, it's just interesting to walk away from this to see that Aaron O'Toole, I'm told, is the one that wants vaccine mandates. He wants the, he has the same view as Justin Trudeau on this, but it is his caucus, the, the Conservative caucus, who hold out. So they have a different view on this, and I assume a different view on most issues than Aaron O'Toole. It's Aaron O'Toole that's pushing towards liberal light, uh, but the caucus, the Tory MPs that are elected from across the country, uh, are still connected to the Conservative grassroots, and they're not for this kind of policy. Uh, but here's the thing. It used to be the case that the party leader would just sort of steamroll any opposition and determine exactly what the party was going to say. But right now, Aaron O'Toole is incredibly weak within the party. Uh, as, as I covered on the show a couple weeks ago, the Conservative MPs voted in favor of something called a Reform Act, uh, which allows for a leadership review among a party leader with just a signature of 24 Conservative MPs. So all it takes is 24 MPs to say, no, we don't want this guy anymore, and it will spur a leadership review which could potentially oust Aaron O'Toole. So right now he's weak from the election loss and he's worried about this leadership review. And so rather than just telling all of the MPs to believe what he believes, it's now basically the exact opposite of that, where the MPs get to tell the leader what to do, which is much more democratic and probably much better for the Conservative Party, in my mind, especially with a guy like Aaron O'Toole in charge. So O'Toole allowed the caucus to win the day. He allowed Blake Richards to go out and say that the Conservatives do oppose mandatory vaccines. But then get this, a mere 24 hours later, Aaron O'Toole himself was a guest on TVO, which is the public television station in Ontario. He was speaking with Steve Pakin, host of The Agenda, and O'Toole just basically changed his mind, contradicted caucus, contradicted Blake Richards, and he said that the Conservatives will respect the Liberal Party's rule, which means that they will conform, which means that they now also believe in forced mandatory vaccines for all members of Parliament. Your position may be very reasonable, mm -hmm. but the Speaker, the Board of the Eternal Economy of Parliament has still said, tough, that, 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 the, the O'Toole formula isn't good enough, we need everybody vaccinated. You can't say everybody in your caucus is vaccinated. We can say that we will follow all public health guidance. So, so Steve, the BOIE and the Speaker have, have ruled, and we will respect that. Of okay. course. We, we also think, though, that we have to look at not dividing people on this issue. It, it is difficult to see um, places where we're seeing people terminated, where in some cases, I think if we work smart and use all tools we have, we could probably avoid these sort of confrontations with just not politicizing vaccinations. So for 24 hours, we had a hint of daylight between the Liberal Party and the Conservative Party. There was a hint of a distinction, a hint of a difference between these two major parties. But that apparently was just too much for Aaron O'Toole. Aaron O'Toole prefers to take the Liberal position on every issue. He prefers not to have any kind of media scrutiny. He doesn't want to have those moderately tough questions. Like we saw the CTV host Evan Solomon um, asking Blake Richards there under Aaron O'Toole's leadership with Aaron O'Toole as leader, he would much prefer 
prefer the parties be so similar that you can't even tell them apart, the exact same, the rigid sameness, and that is the biggest plague on our political system right now. I'm Candace Malcolm, and this is The Candace Malcolm Show.